0: Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting,
1: fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and I'm going to give away some tickets to the International Sportsman's Exposition. The first two callers that call 303-713-1043- 303-713-1043, 303-713-1043, and tell Karen the key phrase that's on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Each of those callers will get two tickets to the International Sportsman's Exposition. And we'll have a few more to give away yet, so stay tuned. Right now, let's go to the phones. Somebody who will be appearing at ISE in very many uh, different capacities. And also, I'm sure he'll probably have a booth there. And he'll talk to us about a number of things going on. Mr. Nate Zelinsky, Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I understand you're going to announce a new schedule for your ice fishing tournaments, but I don't know if you got to listen at all. The last segment, I was out on Lawn Hagler early in the week, and I made a post, and I was able to get out, but boy, Nate, it was sketchy ice, and we've had some warm weather. (laughs) I just want people to really use caution.
2: Absolutely, Terry. The, the ice is changing dramatically. Obviously, today we were supposed to be at Chatfield for the Ice Addiction Tournament Series. Um, we pushed that uh, this event back to February third, um, and there's no doubt conditions are changing. I mean, there's a lot of lakes that are still not frozen, even in the high country. Um, so it is one of those years that is many different than others. Um, I know that I have been working literally around the clock, twenty hours a day, um, working on a new schedule. And uh, you know, we're uh, we're actually probably going to go live with it probably sometime this afternoon. But uh, for all the listeners out there, we're going to give you uh, the sneak listen. Um, I can't say that everything is up on the website yet, but hopefully, right around noon, everything will be available. All the tickets will be good. Um, but uh, you know, as of right now, right now we're planning on um, relocating this Chatfield event, which is today, to February third, and we're hoping to have it at Chatfield as long as that ice grew. Um, we are not so certain about that ice, so that event is actually going to be moved to Grand Lake, uh, which is a brand new venue for us. But uh, the people in the chamber and the town of Grand Lake has been unbelievable. Uh, they welcome us with uh, kind of open arms, so the Chatfield event is actually going to be at Grand Lake and then uh, the Boyd event for January 20th, Uh Boyd right now does have ice. It's got, you know, four to five inches of ice, but we do not think that that's going to provide safe conditions for January 20th. Uh, so January 20th event scheduled for Boyd is actually going to be moving to 11 Mile. Um, so we're excited about that. Again, a brand-new venue for us, but fishing has been incredible up here at 11 Mile. Uh, they got about 12 to 14 inches of ice, so 11 Mile is fishing well. has got great ice. Um, and then the other change we had, obviously, uh, Utah is about in the same condition as us starvation reservoir in utah uh where we're at last year we we're planning going back this year that lake is 100 percent open water and we are moving to pine view reservoir so uh the starvation event will be on the same exact date but we'll be moving to pine view reservoir and those are the uh those are the major changes in ice addiction right now
1: well and some of those lakes i'm quite familiar with as you are and they're going to be um they're going to offer some incredible opportunities um, before we even get into those opportunities, you said this will be going live on what, your your Facebook yeah. and your website?
2: It'll be Facebook, website, everything sometime this afternoon. You know, we're uh, we're ready for it. We're just waiting for the webmaster to change a few things. Uh, but obviously, Terry, we've been a part of this radio show forever. We want to keep everybody informed as much as possible. Uh, so that is 100% the schedule. We're, just, uh, we're not quite fully announcing it, but uh, obviously everybody's going to know that from now. Uh, Everything will be available on the website and Facebook, all that, a little bit later this afternoon. But uh, that is the schedule. And we're excited about Terry, not to say that that Chatfield or Boyd wasn't super user-friendly, but some of these other lakes are going to offer – some unbelievable trout fishing and probably some better numbers of trout than some of the other fisheries that we've been to. Um, so we're really excited to see uh, some, some unbelievable fishing. I think in the in the near future for ice addiction. Um, so really going to be user friendly. I think a lot of anglers that maybe haven't done well in tournaments uh, are definitely going to have a, a very solid chance at uh, and taking home some amazing prizes. Uh, with the first place prize being that brand new Polaris ATV. So 2018 Polaris ATV. For the single heaviest fish, regardless of species, so whether that's a, a trout, a pike, uh, or, you know any species, is, uh, as long as it's uh, the heaviest single fish, uh, it's going to take home first place.
1: Well, you know, and the two lakes you mentioned in Colorado, Grand Lake and Eleven Mile, are lakes where you can catch a lot of 8 to 16, 18-inch trout, but both have different species, but both have, all, you could all of a sudden have a 20-pound fish on. You could be 10 minutes to the end of the <laughs> contest and blow every way, one away with a big lake trout up a Grand Lake or a big pike up at 11 Mile. Yep. And it could exactly. be just, I mean, it's one of those where, even a, and those are the kind of fish where, you know, if people are catching trout, Nate, and they're getting a regular bite. The trout are there, and they've got some techniques. And you know what? All of a sudden, there's a few big trout in there, and you've heard about them. Well, change your yep. techniques and concentrate, maybe go to a big tube jig or, or, or you exactly. know, something like that. And all of a sudden, you might be you might be getting the fish. Those lakes are capable of producing the fish of a lifetime.
2: I mean, that's it. And, you know, with ice addiction, you never know. I mean, we put it in a very average situation to where, I mean, we can't, over the past five years, this is our fifth year, you know, four years into it, we have paid out literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to one and two pound fish. We've also had double digit fish weighed. So you really never know. I mean, looking at Grand Lake, it could literally be a a two pound rainbow or a two pound young leaker that takes home the prize or it could be a a 30 pound leaker. And you never know with this type of series. So it's exciting to see what it'll bring. You know, will it bring, Fish, will it bring average fish? Um, you know, it, it's exciting. But regardless, there's uh there's no trick ponies, there's no gimmicks. The singlest heaviest fish takes home the first place prize. We pay down thirty spots. Um, you know, so we're gonna be given now just a little over twenty-six thousand dollars in uh in total prize value uh at these events. So again, for everybody out there listening, the the January sixth event from today uh moves to January third at Grand Lake. Boyd Lake.
1: Is February 3rd, mode. night. February 3rd. Excuse me,
2: February 3rd. Yep, February 3rd. Um, and then uh, Boyd Lake for January 20th is going to be that same date, but it's going to be an 11-mile reservoir. And then uh, Starvation event is going to be the same date as the 27th, but uh, it's going to be moved to Pine View Reservoir. So uh, big three changes. Again, we're going to be doing everything we can, especially over the next 15th. Uh, 24 to 48 hours of getting everybody uh, aware of this. And, again, we just keep asking everybody, hey, share it, tell your friends, uh, get everybody aware of the changes, and get signed up, and uh, join the series. It's
1: going to be fun. That'll be fantastic. Hey, a couple quick things. I mean, not quick things. We've got some time, obviously. One thing is I want to talk to you about ISC, but a couple things I want to mention. I want to get a fishing update from you, too. But we've been talking today. This is our 20th anniversary of the radio show, and I was trying to think back how long you probably – if you weren't the second fill-in host and then one of the most consistent, you've done a consistent segment for, I don't know how many years, and you were the fill-in host and you're, Group still is uh, with you know your other guys that they you know with uh, tight lines have are still do a lot of the fill-ins when I'm on my intense assignments working hard. <laughs> but um, how how long ago do you remember when you joined the radio show? I mean, I you came on as a think, guest I mean. for a while. You were coming on as a guest, then became a regular segment. But it's it's got to be over a decade.
2: That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, uh yeah, probably somewhere uh probably somewhere in that ten to twelve years I've been i in it. So, it's been it's been amazing. Terry I can't thank you for the the opportunity. and you know, we love it. I mean everything that we do at Plantline and myself it's all about promoting efficient education and uh Hopefully, making everybody more successful. The joy, the the greatest part of the fishing league. So, uh, it's a great voice and platform to do that. And hopefully, everybody gains uh,
1: from us being a part of this, You know? Oh, you're ex- absolutely. By the way, Karen's gonna yell at you to stand still because you're fading in and out. So, just so you I know. know. <laughs> I just move. I'm sorry. You're back through. Um, before I let you go, though, what the, what have you seen out there? You know, we got some nice weather coming down here, but people are going to be looking for ice fishing opportunities. Can you clue us in on a couple?
2: Absolutely. You know, I'm up here actually at 11 Mile Reservoir right now. Obviously, we're going to move this event here about two weeks up to this reservoir. Um, so I'm getting a game plan, we're checking ice, looking at pressure ridges, kind of looking at parking, all that kind of thing. And these guys are catching a lot of fish up here at 11 Mile. They're catching pike. Uh, they're catching a lot of rainbows, and they're catching salmon. If it ain't really salmon season, they're usually at that mid-January when those st- salmon really kind of stack up and all the water pressure kind of gets a little equal. Um, but the salmon bites going to Eleven Mile, the trout bites going to Eleven Mile, and they're getting this big pike at Eleven Mile. So I would say Eleven Mile is uh, is definitely a place to target. Um, Antero is still fishing good. Um, again, a lot of fishing pressure in Antero. That's saw a big thing about Antero. You got a avoid fishing pressure, um, and you're going to be right on top of some fish. Now I did get out in the Front Range this week. Um, uh, but, again, conditions are changing. You look at Chatfield, we have ice conditions anywhere from open water um, to some places that have six inches. The six inches isn't quite as hard and clear as it was a couple days ago. Uh, starting to get a little sun. Um, there's a walleye bite. There's a trout bite on the front range. But, again, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I would say it changes every four to five hours. So you really got to use caution at any of the front range lakes. Uh just to make sure that you're you're staying safe with that. Um uh, then other lakes that I've heard of fishing real well. Um obviously we stopped by at a Grand Lake to do some stuff like that. Uh that whole area, you know, Granby, Shadow Mountain, it's all giny ice. Yeah, quickly, but again, same thing. Not all of it is good. There's still a lot of open water and all that stuff, um, but the fishing that is up there has been good. Obviously, I've been spending more time on Grand Lake than uh, I ever have in my life, just looking at the Tournament Series. A um, lot of rainbows, a lot of lakers, and uh, a swampbikes so are be good there. But again, obviously, uh, use caution at, at the best you can to stay in time there's those good ice situations. And then, the best ice and probably the most consistent action I've seen in the entire state is at Terriel. Uh, Terriel has got a lot of ice. Um, It's got a lot of those younger rainbows. Action is consistent. I would say move around until you're catching fish. Um, If you're not catching a lot of fish, just keep bouncing around until you find kind of that little honey hole, and you should do very well. there. So, you know, family-friendly, new-angler-friendly, I would say tarot is probably the the great
3: place to go for, for
1: ice conditions and fishability right now. Now, the last thing before you go, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things you're going to be doing at ISE. And before we get into your seminars and whether they're fishing or hunting and everything, I want you to know that Chad earlier on the show admitted that his, he did hurt himself. He says it's healing. He's going to try to practice today, but he did say he hurt himself to give the rest of you a chance. Now, you
2: know, I believe it. Like I said before, you know, obviously, uh, a, a bass fisherman background. Obviously, Chad told us everything, and he's good at catching everything. Uh, but I'd say you know, Neil geared to his heart. He is a bass angler. He is uh, he's got a boat that has no trolling capabilities. The guy is a casting machine. I uh, I do a lot of ice fishing where I where I make a whopping uh, you know twelve to eighteen inch drop into a ten inch hole. I do a lot of trolling and I do some casting. So uh, I hope he brings it because uh, I would say he definitely has the uh, the most. Skillful angler in the group. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I have not practiced, um, you know, but I will bring a rod to ISE on Thursday uh, and hopefully I can see where the, the casting first is and see if I can keep it uh, inside the casting pond, let alone inside the targets. But uh, Thursday will be my first day of practice and uh, hopefully I can uh, dust the rest off very quickly for this competition.
1: You know, I think both of you are so full of crap. <laughs> because, because <laughs> both of you, you know, when normally when people trash talk, they tell how good they are and how they're going to kick the other ones' butt. But both of you, oh no, no, I just don't have a chance. Of course, there are, are other teams, and I should get them on <laughs> and get their opinion too. There are you guys aren't the only teams, but you know, yeah, but you know, so. But I think I've never seen anybody downplay. You know, like it's just like giving up. I got a feeling it's going to be a little more intense than we think. Let's move yeah, you on.
2: Never know, I get so I have seminars at ISD, Terry. You're in the tank. I I feel grateful so, at the end of the day when I can just cast all day in the tank. I mean, damn, you're you're in the same boat as me, so I know that you can have sympathy. I don't, you know, you have the the bass background. Everybody knows I have Matt Inzley, so people ask about bass I say no, got Inzley. If a, a guy trip comes in for bass, we push it to Matt Insley. Matt Inslee is the bass side of Tightline Outdoors. Um, I don't do it. When I look at an accuracy cast, if I can get it in a, a 20 by 20 square, that's accurate enough for, for me, you know, other than when I'm trying to front into people the the walleye spot. Well, yeah, and I've, I've it, seen it, that happen.
1: Yeah, that you can small. you can cast. You're a little more accurate than that when that's going on. You
2: know, it's a big spot, though. Nothing in nothing my career I'd say it's. good. Get so uh, we'll uh, we'll see what we can pull off today, but uh, or next week at that show. But uh, I wouldn't say that accuracy has ever been my uh, my forte. But we're going to give it a go. And uh, I know I played around in the tank last week; it was a lot of fun. So we'll see if uh, see if I can pull it in this year. We'll, I, I think your yeah. idea
1: of accuracy is accuracy is hitting the water, huh? <laughs>
2: exactly. You know I mean, if I hit the water and make the point from
1: my boat, I am happy. Hey, take take thirty seconds, a minute. Tell people what you're going to be doing at the show.
2: Absolutely, Terry. You know, I got a booth at the show. So we got a big booth here in here at the Casting club. Unfortunately, I do not know that booth, but we will really be there. Uh, we're going to be talking about guide trips, talk about uh, what possibly might be a, a great year of fishing in some maybe drought conditions, low water conditions. We're really competing for that this year with lack of snow, uh, which we love. Those are probably our most excelling years of the calendar in the last, you know, 18 years. So our 18th year is tank marine ubers. Um, so excited about that. But we're talking about fishing, uh, you know, guide trips, all the fishing updates for the year. We're talking about ice addictions. We have a booth. Um, I'll be doing fishing seminars on the tank. I'll be doing panel discussions uh, and a couple other things at the tank. I'll also be doing hunting uh, discussions in the
3: seminar hall for hunting
2: and as well as the casting competition. So uh, I've got a busy schedule. I'm hoping to grab that schedule off the website and get it posted on Facebook for everybody. But uh, I will be doing something uh, about 24-7 there at the show. I think Thursday is my most relaxed day because I'm uh, supposed to be at the, uh, the uh,
3: Archery
2: Train Association show uh, Wednesday, Thursday. But uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at ISVU. You know, we uh, That's for
1: sure. All right, Mr. Zelinski thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you uh, next week at the ISE show. Absolutely. We'll see you there. All right. Thank you, Nate. Terry Wicksham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones now. And uh, joining us from indoor survival is Nick Clement. Good morning, Nick. Hey, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well, and I really appreciate you coming on. This is something that we used to do on a regular basis on the show, and we've kind of gotten away from it. Uh, Programming seems to cycle through here. It's kind of, I'm going to say, outdoor comfort slash survival, leaning more towards the survival side. But it starts with dressing and preparing to be comfortable as you go out. But before we even get started, tell people what your company is really quickly.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, My company is called Endure Survival Kits. That's E-N-D-U-R. Um, kind of like endurance. And basically we are, you know, we built Endure to extend proper wilderness safety. There's a lot of hoopla out there. A lot of um, survival is portrayed as strictly military survival or bushcraft uh, survival, which just isn't practical for the everyday user like you and me. So that's why we created indoor Survival Kits to give that practical knowledge and the gear to go along with it.
1: Well, when you talk about the TV shows, not only is some of what they show not practical for the everyday person out there, really isn't very practical for them either when you and I get into it. We'll talk more about that as we go. One of my favorite things, though, and we'll talk more about this later, So when I see a, a newspaper or a television article that says, John Jones was lost in the wilderness for three days and he survived by eating grasshoppers. Well, if John Jones didn't eat the grasshoppers, he probably would have been in better shape for those three days. But that's, that's because people just – the my biggest uh, thing is that uh, – People just, they get so many misnomers about what makes them comfortable, what helps them survive if they do get lost or injured in the wilderness. And that's why I wanted to get you on to tap your expertise to talk about these things. But let's let's talk, first of all, about uh, people getting ready to go outdoors. Colorado now, we're in the middle of winter right now, although the weather has been all over the place. What do you see is this? the things that people need to do or they don't do or should do as they're just getting ready, whether they're going hiking, snowshoeing, ice fishing, cross country skiing, whether they're going ATVing or snowmobiling, or they're going to be out there and there's a chance they could get lost or even injured. What do they need to do just to make sure they're going to have a comfortable safe outing in the beginning?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I would say the first thing is, simply defining survival, really, you know, understanding that, you know, it's all about the ability and the skills that we can acquire before we go out into the backcountry. You know, the desire, you know, we think we have all the desire in the world, but in reality, the environment can really overwhelm you if you are not prepared. Uh, in Colorado, we have, you know, a lot of uh, threats that we, you know, can potentially expose ourselves to when we go outdoors. Lightning, uh, weather, elevation is a threat. Um, so there's many things that some simple research, uh, talking to people and acquiring some knowledge can really help you turn uh you know, life threatening incident or a potentially life threatening incident into simply an inconvenience.
1: Well, and it doesn't even necessarily even have to be an inconvenience if you do enough planning and hopefully you're right, but it can get to an inconvenience and it can get tragic. I think that you and I talked about this and we'll get back to planning and, and researching is so important. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but on a year round basis with the technology that's advanced in clothing I still get surprised by how ill prepared people are dressed for their activity.
0: Totally, I, I couldn't agree more. What yeah, are some of the cotton, biggest mistakes?
1: Cotton kills. Cotton, cotton kills. That is a great, great, great statement. Um, people don't understand. You know, with all the fibers we've gotten, stuff. I, I related a story to you. Um, you know, cotton, well, tell people why cotton is so bad.
0: So cotton is bad because it doesn't, um, you know, wick away the, the moisture off your body like a synthetic uh, material does. You know, cotton absorbs the, the moisture and it keeps it on your body. So if you find yourself, um, you know, in a situation where you're getting cold, you're stuck outside and you have wet cotton on you, it can really um, lead to hyperthermia, uh, you know, a lot quicker than a synthetic
1: well, and not only in winter conditions, but most hypothermia sets in at around 50, 60 degrees. I see people go hiking in trails in the mountains and they, it's 65 degrees. They don't realize they're hiking up to more, a higher elevation. A storm can come and drop that down to 50 degrees like that. And they have a cotton t-shirt and a windbreaker on. And boy, you can get in trouble in a hurry, can't you?
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, the, the weather can change in a heartbeat. Um, so yeah, cotton, I, I just, I don't even bring any cotton on any of my trips. Um, and I know you have your story about the, the cotton, um, the boxer briefs, which is a really good example of, um, you know, something you can overlook.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell people, Karen and I, my wife and producer, we go up to Rocky Mountain national park snowshoeing occasionally And one day, it was probably 45 degrees down here and sunny. And we we said, let's go up, get some exercise. You know, it'll be cool up there. And obviously, the outdoors is my livelihood. I have all the the synthetic clothing. I have the layers. I have the shells. I have the fleeces. I have everything so I can dress appropriately. We're only going to run up for an hour or two, do a quick hike and then get back to the car. I put everything on that I normally would wear snowshoeing except that I left my cotton briefs on. Okay. We went, we went to a short, uh, we parked at one of the major parking lots. We went to a, um, just a short hike Uh, snowshoeing up by the Sprague Lake area, but we weren't at Sprague Lake, but up in that area. We got out to the road, maybe a half a mile from the car, took our snowshoes off, and we're walking back to the car. Those briefs, because I was sweating when I was snowshoeing, were soaked. I got so cold that when I got to the car, which was only a half a mile away, hypothermia was setting in. I was shaking so bad, I had trouble opening the door to the car. That's how quickly it can happen. It's unbelievable. And you're right. Cotton, you know, cotton sweatshirts, cotton T-shirts, get synthetics, get fleece, get wool is a great thing. But now, let's say you're dressed properly. You've got the clothing. We've covered the clothing and the shells several times on the show. But now I'm getting ready to go. What about the planning stage? Tell me what do I do? I do. Do I, I have to research? What do I do to get ready and prepare now that I'm getting ready to go up? What should I look at taking with me in case something happens? And what should I do to make sure I've researched and planned my trip?
0: So you should look at the four basic survival categories, shelter, fire, hydration, and signal. Um, you know, the, the shelter starts with your clothing, like we discussed, um, but there are um, real easy ways to shelter yourself. You know, there's a lot of um, bushcraft shelter building. You know, if, if we're going to be expected to <laughs> go and build a shelter, you know, in a survival situation, that's, that's a big, it's quite the feat. You know, if you're getting cold, it's getting dark. Um, last thing you want to do is spend a bunch of time building one of these elaborate shelters. Um, so what we provide is a four mil thick plastic bag. You put it on over your head, upside down, um, so you put a, a hole in your um, in the bag for your head so you can breathe on the outside of the bag. And this bag will, you know, protect yourself uh, from the, the harsh conditions, you know, water, um, the wind. <laughs> So that's that's one of the big things for shelter. Um, next is the fire building. You know, if let's say you weren't next to your car when you started going hyperthermic, you would need a um, a, a fire to get you warm. And it is really hard to start a fire with some of those things um, you know that are common out there on the market, a bic lighter or waterproof matches. Uh, what we recommend is stormproof matches. They you know will light in a downpour. Um, we also recommend a metal match, which is a ferricium, cerium rod. You just strike um, the sparks onto a wick that you create with cotton balls soaked in vaseline. that is by far the best uh, fire starter um, out there. So some of these things, you know, we just need to think about prior yes we don't want to be in a survival situation and um, you know no one you know plans to be but I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions as far as preparation goes Um, you know most people don't think it will happen to them and the the uh, recent research from uh, search and rescue Um, incidents is, it's through the roof. Um, now more than ever, people are getting lost, um, getting injured, getting, um, themselves in predicaments in the backcountry. And one of the reasons is because it's, it's just so accessible. You know, on, you get jump on the internet and you can find out these awesome locations, um, you know, easier than ever. So we have a lot of people going into the backcountry unprepared. So I think that's the biggest thing is just break it down into those four categories and just make sure you're prepared. Make sure you have um you know those those items on you just in case. You'd rather have it on you um you know and not need it than <laughs> then you know to not have it at all and find yourself in a life-threatening incident.
1: What I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about fire and then we're going to take a break and I'll come back and I want to address some of the other situations with you and things to do and how people act. But fire is so important in so many ways because you talked about shelter, signaling, warmth, all these kinds of things. Um, two or three things happen, and I've been on some search and rescue missions, and two or three things happen when somebody's lost in the wilderness. Number one is they panic. And mm-hmm. starting a fire, what it, and they, they take off, and they get further lost or get into more trouble. Starting a fire puts you in that place. You stop moving around. You sit down, and not only does it warm you, But it gives you a psychological comfort and keeps you in a place where you can stop and think and plan. And I know you know, you think that that's one of the most important things is to think through your situation, plan how you should react, but don't do it in a panicked way. You and I have talked about this, and I know that you believe in that very much. The other thing it does, is a signal also. So I think the fire is so, so important of the items you mentioned
0: definitely um if you don't mind i'll tell a quick story about a moose hunt i had um i I shot a moose up in indian peaks wilderness and it was 50 degrees sunny um it was october like second so the next day it was a crazy winter windstorm uh snowstorm there was three foot snowdrifts and my buddy and i were you know um f- field dressing, the moose, preparing for the, the 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 pack out, which ended up being like three days, but that's another story uh for another time. we started going hypothermic we both were were shivering we're, we you know our hands weren't covered because we were trying to you know deal with the you know intricate pieces of the meat and whatnot and strap it down and everything and so we we started shivering, and we started to panic and I already had some of this. Uh, knowledge and some of these skills and so we put together a survival fire pretty quickly within five or ten minutes and got that thing going and boy did it lift our spirits we were happy campers after that fire started especially uh, when we put some of the the scrap uh, moose bones uh, the ribs we put the rib cage on the fire and all of a sudden we had a gourmet meal as well
1: (laughs) (laughs) that sounds great hey we're gonna um, take a quick time out, and we come back. I want to talk a little bit about hydration and planning, and then we'll Great. we'll take it up from there. So I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll come back to you in just a few minutes here. All right? Okay. I all right. You. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Barry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Going right back to the phones, we're talking to Nick Clement from Endure Survival. Nick, um, when we left off, we were talking, I think we were talking fire, but one thing I really want to touch on, and there, well, there, hopefully we'll have time to touch on a few more things, but one big one is hydration. Because I think when you and I were talking before, uh, just you and I on the phone, we uh, Uh, For a minute, it sounded like we had a different opinion of hydration, but I think we have the same thoughts. We just came at it from a little different way. And I'll give you my, um, hydration is important in outdoor activities. It helps prevent altitude sickness. It helps prevent hypothermia. It keeps your energy up. It's just good for your overall well-being, and you should stay hydrated and have water. Having water when you're lost I told you about the 333 method that I was taught which was 3 minutes without air, 3 days without water and 3 weeks without food. Obviously if you're in the Mojave Desert, you can't go 3 hours without water, but um so there's different ways to approach it. Hydration is important. But once you get lost, you can usually find a water source if you can treat it if you've been staying properly hydrated for your activity. Is that kind of sum up would you think?
0: Yeah, I I think the only um The only thing I would say is, you know, the the hydration is uh, more more important than the food, you know. Oh, without
1: question. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The food is kind of something that, you know, you could survive plenty longer without food than you can without water. So, yeah, the, the, the water, uh, you know, solution is super important. What we recommend is the ketodyne MP1 tablets. They're chlorine dioxide tablets, and they, you know, are just great tablets to, you know, kill 99.999% of all bacteria. It may even be more than that. Um, they're the only EPA-approved... You know water tabs for for water purification. So they're the same tabs that you know FEMA uses in disaster relief. So these tabs you can throw in cloudy water and you'll have you know fine drinking water. Um, and then you need something to put them in. What we provide is or we sell is a uh, platypus um, collapsible water bottle, just a two liter water water bottle. So you have everything you need in your pack to you know, be hydrated in case you find yourself way off with no water. Super important.
1: Well, over a long period of time too, it's going to help you. And certainly you may survive without water, but other conditions can overcome you because you aren't properly hydrated. So water is very important. I'm glad you touched on the food because before we move on, I want to talk to planning and getting ready and what you do if you're lost. Um, and that's, uh, the food thing is most people could go days and days. I kidded before about eating the grasshoppers. If you're out there long enough where you're going to have to eat bugs to survive, you better hope you're not in severe conditions because they better find you before that because the average person can go days or weeks without food, without, I mean, without starving to death. Not that it won't affect, affect you your how you feel or could, but it's really not a critical piece. I, I see people put power bars in their backpack in case they get lost. Well, they eat them in the first hour because they taste good so they never have them with where they might help them with energy but you're right about the food i want to move on to maybe the planning and what to do if you get in trouble you and i talked about you talked earlier about doing research about where you're going and making a plan a couple things i want to get your comments on one is one mantra that i've always preached and having been on search and rescue missions for lost people is Make sure somebody knows the general area you're going to be in. And if you change that area, let somebody know so the researchers know where to look to start with. And second, look at a map, like you said, before you go, but then take a map and a compass with you. I don't care what else you have. What are your thoughts on those?
0: Yeah, definitely. The map and compass is critical. It's the common denominator that should be in every hiker hunter, fisherman's pack, um, because you can't rely on your, your, your cell phone um, to, you know, what if you step on it or what if it breaks, it gets wet, and it's not working. Uh, GPS as well, you know, anything electronic can um, break, you know, or, or, or not work. So the map and compass is huge. Uh, we recommend people to take a, you know, out, uh, or, orienteering class to, to get proficient. Uh, at the mapping compass for sure that is super important because if you if you find yourself lost i think the biggest problem is it's not about you don't know where you are but you don't know where the truck is is in relation to you so the best thing to do is to stop sit think, observe, and plan. So you want to stop to control that panic that we talked about. You want to sit down 30 minutes, let the adrenaline subside. You want to drink water. You need to think about your threats. You need to observe, you know, those potential threats, and then you need to have a plan. And most often it is best to stay put. That's why our shelter is royal blue. Um, It is the best color to be seen far distances. A lot of people think uh, Hunter's Orange is the best. Well, Hunter's Orange tends to blend into some of the fall colors and some other browns and oranges that are out there year-round. The Royal Blue is the color of the Endure Instant Shelter that we sell, so it acts as a ground-to-air signal, ground-to-ground signal. So, yeah, definitely some things to
1: think about. Now, I'll make a couple comments, and I want to tell us about your kit and how people can get them. And I couldn't agree with you more about the stop, you know, think, observe plan. Having been on rescues for lost people, the worst thing we hated to find was where you've been. If you move around and don't have a plan and don't know where you're moving to, you can really frustrate. And then your signal is inconsistent because you're signaling um, or you're trying to get a hold of people. You maybe had a fire and now you're away from it. Maybe you were spotted from the air and now you're not near that fire. Unless you absolutely are confident that you know what you're headed into don't move around and uh, that that's so so important that's why starting that fire even in good conditions psychologically you know I mean think about if you're in a dry fire starting area where it might be a danger but 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 what you said about just stopping thinking and having a proper kit with you that has what you need to survive will give you that comfort to not panic so tell us real quick what does what do you guys provide what's in your kits?
0: So our basic kits provide those four uh, categories I went over. Shelter, fire, hydration, signal. The shelters, the four mil thick plastic uh, heavy-duty bag. The fire, um, the, the basic kit includes a stormproof match by UCO company. And the next step up, the comprehensive kit, we include uh, the Endure metal match kit, which comes with that super lightweight metal match, and then the um, cotton balls soaked in vaseline. And then for hydration, we provide the Katadyne MP1 tablets, 30-pack of those tabs, and then the Platypus uh, collapsible water bottle. So you always have that hydration solution. And then for signal, it's a whistle. Sound is one of the best ways to get search and rescue crew dialed in to exactly where you're at. Uh, we have a whistle for life. It is the most efficient and effective whistle on the market. Um, we also have uh trail tape which is real simple just to mark your your camp or wherever you're lost you go around in a circle marking um you know trees or or areas around you so you can kind of build this circle around you so if search and rescue is looking for you they can come and dial in right to you and then the other big piece is the signal mirror the mirror we provide um that we sell is um, one of the best mirrors on the market. We've tested it for years. It will go. It will shoot a um, beam of light up to 26 miles away. So if a airplane search and rescue crew is looking for you, or even from the ground, the you know the signal mirror really allows you to reach out there and tell people where you're at. And then after that, we have. A lot more utility you know, included in the professional comprehensive and professional kits. We have parachute cord that we sell. That's not to be confused with the cord that's commonly uh, found on the market. The parachute cord is actually the military, um, you know, the stuff the military uses in parachutes. It's pretty awesome stuff. And then we sell a 18 inch half dandy saw. It's the best cutting tool for the outdoors. A lot of people swear by axes. We are categorically against axes. They are huge reasons why people get injured in the backcountry. You know, think about an ax swinging around, you have a lot of moving parts. This 18 inch dandy saw is a breeze to cut wood and it's even um, better for cutting bone for, for big game hunting. And then there's a few other things um, we sell, like uh, goat skin gloves. So your hands are critical to your survival. Without your hands, you can't do a lot of things in the backcountry. So we have a real simple uh, goat skin is a closed cell leather. So you can't, um, or the, the gloves, excuse me, don't um, uh, shrink when they get wet, like a, a cow leather would. So goat skin leather gloves are
1: great to have as well. Nick, we are out of time. Tell people where they can get your your products.
0: Enduresurvivalkits.com, E-N-D-U-R-E, survivalkits.com. We'll have a booth at the ISE show, so we'd love to have you guys come. Um, We are selling two-for-one indoor instant shelters at the ISE show, and every instant shelter you buy, we give one to the homeless.
1: All right. We are out of time, Nick. Thank you. Hopefully a lot of people will stop to see you there.
0: Thank you, Terry. I really
1: appreciate it. You bet. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, Colorado's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones because I know he's been impatiently waiting to share some great fishing tips with us, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry Wolfstrom. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, and um, I want to get to your topic right away because I like it, and we've been running, trying to catch up here. But you want to talk about ice fishing as it goes, kind of what's going on in ice fishing right now, and then how you go back and forth from short ice fishing. Kind of get into what you wanted to talk about.
3: Well, I mean, the gist of what I want to talk about, Terry, was the fact that, you know, there's a lot of techniques that transfer over from open water to ice fishing, and kind of vice versa as well. And that's kind of a you know an eye opener for a lot of people. I, I I get a lot of clients on the boat, especially as we get late in the year, that we end up doing a lot of vertical fishing, Terry, from the boat. You know, maybe we're targeting trout, we're targeting walleyes, we're targeting uh, smallmouth, and without fail I asked them you know as we as I start teaching them these techniques you know have you done any ice fishing and a handful of them have but the mass, majority of the people that come on the boat have not done any ice fishing Terry and one of the things I like to explain to them that you know ice fishing sure some days it may be all about really really tiny presentations and you know sitting there and staring down a hole all day and not moving around a whole heck of a lot and that sort of a thing that will certainly catch fish and certainly those those kind of presentations with live bait like that will be the things that produce really well on certain days. But a lot of days, Terry, you can get out there on the ice and you can utilize a lot of those same vertical presentations that we utilize in open water. Uh, Things like, you know, spooning or working blade baits or vertically jigging with some sort of a jig, be it a gulp minnow on a jig head or a tube jig or something like that. Those are techniques that transfer over, and, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't really understand when they start thinking about ice fishing, Terry.
1: You're absolutely right. In fact, I talked about being out at Lon Hagler myself at the beginning of the week, week, and almost all the fish came on a spoon. Ronnie, I want you to continue, but before we do, Ronnie will be at the ISE show next week, and I'm going to give away one more set of tickets to ISE to the first caller at 303 713 104.3, that gives us the key phrase from our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Ronnie, you're absolutely right about those techniques. They do try. The fish don't change. It's just you have to change how you locate them.
3: Absolutely, and I think the other thing people kind of get into the mindset is that they think you have to go super tiny when you're fishing through the ice, Terry. And like I mentioned, there's certain days where those real small, tiny little jigs with a mealworm or a waxy or something like that will produce, and they produce better than other presentations. But there's other days where a little bit larger presentations are going to be the better deal. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've caught fish on Boyd Lake, for example, you know, during ice season through the ice, and they're spitting up gizzard shad, Terry. Uh, You know, and they're not tiny little gizzard shad by that time of the year. Most of those gizzard shad are going to be in that two to three inch range. And so it's very, very common to see those gizzard shad come working up in and around that marina area where a lot of people like to ice fish. And I've had a lot of trout come through the ice and spit up gizzard shad. And I'm catching those fish a lot of times on something like a two and a half inch or a three inch gulp minnow trying to match that hatch terry. Or I'm catching them on a jigging spoon and it's not a real small little Swedish pimple or something like that. It's a straight-up, you know, crippled herring jigging spoon, half-ounce jigging spoon, the same kind of thing that I do in open water late in the year, and those fish are jumping all over that. I think if people open themselves up to that fat carry, then when you get out there on the ice, it, it it's... It's just more exciting, in my opinion, Terry. Uh, you know, I get kind of bored sitting in a hut, staring at a hole, waiting for the bobber to move. I'm the kind of guy that on the ice, you know, I want to fish the structure that I know is under the ice. I want to move around and cover it. I end up, you know, on most days drilling a good number of holes, Terry, kind of covering the structure from, from deep to shallow, and I end up bouncing from hole to hole to hole, Terry, putting those uh, reaction-style style presentations down through the ice and, you know, ripping them vertically and it's without a doubt my favorite way to ice fish, Terry.
1: Well, I I agree with you 100%. In fact, even when I'm stationary, when I tend to drill a lot of holes and check different depths, look for fish, use my electronics, but even when I'm not moving, I tend to have two holes and always have a reaction presentation going and a lot of times a subtle presentation in the hole next to it because even if they won't eat the reaction, which my last time out, that's all they'd eat, a lot of times sure. it'll dry them, draw them in, and they will eat the subtle presentation.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is that there's a skill set involved with fishing vertically, Terry. I mean, it sounds simple enough. Yeah, just, you know, drop the bait down and rip the bait vertically. But there's definitely a skill set involved, and we see it on the boat, and I see it with people on the ice for sure, Terry. Uh, you know, it, it's very much about line control. It's about understanding the rate of fall for the presentation that you're utilizing and dropping your rod at the appropriate speed so that you're not staying tight to the presentation and also so that you're not dropping a whole bunch of slack down on the water. When you get out on ice, Terry, you know, you're using a much smaller rod, so it makes some of that stuff a little bit easier to understand in the grasp. The other thing when you're on ice is that it's far easier to spot your line and be able to see your line and understand what semi-slack line is, what it means to throw too much slack down at the water. You know, when ice, if you bring that rod down too fast, Terry, and you're throwing a whole bunch of slack down the aisle, on the water, a lot of times it ends up gathering on the ice Around the hole, so you end up kind of hung up on the sides of the hole. That's what you have to avoid. So you get really good getting out there ice fishing. You start to understand rate of fall. You start to understand line control. The other big key a lot of times, let's say you're utilizing electronics out there on the ice, depth control is very, very important. You know, you don't want to be below those returns you're seeing. You want to be able to you know, reel that presentation up real fast to get it up and above those fish or right at the level of those fish. That's the same thing you got to do with open water, Terry, when you're utilizing your electronics and you're fishing vertically. So, you know, the technique the sinks they really play into each other and without a doubt the guy that does do some ice fishing is going to be a far better vertical angler when he gets out into open water and the guy that does a lot of vertical fishing in open water is going to be an excellent ice angler as well terry so the techniques really cross over
1: i couldn't agree more ronnie and we're out of time but people can see you next week you're going to be at the ISE show um come by the tank um i believe you're there friday and saturday is that right
3: Yeah, Friday I'll be the first one on at at 12 o'clock, and then on Saturday I'm going to be on at 5.30, and it's going to be a good presentation. We're going to cover a whole bunch of different baits and kind of go over really you know, the, the baits that
1: I do the most damage on year in and year out for a variety of species, Terry. All right, Ronnie, thank you so much. We will see you at the show next week. All right. Have a good one, Terry. All right. That's Ronnie Castiglione. Always a great resource. Uh, wish we'd have had more time for Ronnie today. We'll get him on in a couple weeks. We'll go ahead and get a longer segment with him. But uh, this is going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up for today. This is the first show in our anniversary year of 20 years on the air. We started in 1998. Remember to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to be doing a lot of giveaways, and a lot of the keys you're going to have to winning those giveaways are going to be on our Facebook page at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I want to say thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen. Karen kept me on the air all these years. I don't know how she did that, but she's managed to do it. Anyway, And thank you for listening. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top. top. Top of the hour.